We need to stop talking about parents who say, I am free to make decisions about what my children do when their decisions put their children in harm's way and they put everybody else's children in harm's way. That's not the right issue. The issue that we really need to be talking about is responsibility. Welcome to the award-winning podcast, Lawyer to Lawyer, with J. Craig Williams, bringing you the latest legal news and observations with the leading experts in the legal profession. You're listening to Legal Talk Network. Welcome to Lawyer to Lawyer on the Legal Talk Network. I'm Craig Williams coming to you from Southern California. I write a blog name, May It Please the Court, and have two books out titled How to Get Sued and The Sled. Well, as students across the country return to classrooms, the controversy surrounding masks has reached a fever pitch. In at least 14 states, lawsuits have been filed either for or against masks in schools. This has led to protests, litigation, and even violence. Just this week, the United States Department of Education's Office for Civil Rights launched investigations into five states that have banned mask mandates in schools, alleging that governors are creating an unsafe learning environment for students with disabilities. So today on Lawyer to Lawyer, we're going to take a look at the mask controversy in schools and communities across the United States. We'll be discussing mask mandates, public health law, and litigation surrounding these issues with a woman who's both a law professor and a medical professor, as well as a lawyer and a doctor. We have Ellen Wright Clayton, JDMD. Ellen is the Craig Weaver Professor of Pediatrics, Professor of Health Policy, and co-founder of the Center of Biomedical Ethics and Society at Vanderbilt Medical Center. And she's also Professor of Law at the Vanderbilt Law School. She's an active participant in policy debates. Professor Clayton has advised the National Institutes of Health and other federal and international bodies on an array of topics ranging from children's health to the ethical conduct of research involving human subjects. Welcome to the show, Professor Clayton. It's a real pleasure to be here. Thank you. Well, Professor, we're talking about masks today. What is the general science behind wearing masks? I mean, I know that doctors wear masks in surgeries, but how did this come about? Why are we wearing masks and what good does it do us? Well, we're wearing masks because it actually does two things. One is that it contains our secretions or things when or when we breathe so that the so that it doesn't spread to others. For instance, like when we sneeze, when we cough, or even when we talk or sing, we're always putting particles in the air and they spread. But in addition, they also protect us from those same activities by other people. So we wear masks both to protect ourselves and increasingly to protect other people from the spread of this really terrible pandemic that we're currently facing. You know, I've seen some news articles about the proficiency of masks in keeping the virus out, and I've seen some that have said on the side of your mouth, uh, especially with the paper masks that you see the doctors wear in surgeries, that those are not necessarily as effective as an N95 or, for that matter, even a, a homemade cloth mask. What's the, what's the relative viability of each one of the masks that we see out there, and why should we be using one over the other? Well, the N95s are clearly the most effective because they fit most closely and because they have multiple layers that are really designed to really prevent any sort of spread and any sort of, you know, particles coming into our own mouths. Surgical masks actually do fairly well, 
but they're not as effective because they don't fit as tightly, because they don't have as many layers. But it's also becoming increasingly clear that they are more effective than a lot more effective than nothing, and a lot more effective than even single layer cloth masks. And so one of the things that is a viable option for many people is to wear a surgical mask with a, a cloth mask on top of it. I think what's becoming also clear is that single layer mask cloth masks are really not as effective as you'd like, but any mask is better than no mask. That's really clear. The other thing that is clear is that the valved masks, the ones that have those little pieces of plastic on the side, are good at protecting the wearer. They are not good at protecting others because the way those masks work and the way they, the reason they make them more comfortable for the wearer is that, the, that what they breathe out is then vented out and therefore spread to others. So if what you're trying to do with a mask is to protect other people in addition to yourself, the valve masks are not a great way to go. Well, and I've also seen some people wearing, you know, the famous bandana from the old West where it hangs down, you know, above their nose and around their ears and hangs down almost to their chest. Looks like it has good coverage, but what, what, what's the efficacy of that? Well, it's more limited. And the reason that it's more limited is that in order to contain what you breathe out, it has to fit firmly to your body somewhere. And so if you are wearing what they often call a gaiter, um, which it goes down over your chest, again, it's better than nothing because at least it limits spread to some extent. But unless it actually fits closely to your body everywhere, it's not going to be it's not going to be as effective. So it is absolutely critical that whatever mask people are wearing, it has to cover their nose and it has to cover their mouth. A mask that is below your nose or a mask that is around your chin but doesn't cover your mouth or your nose is not going to be doing the job. And just to connect the dots, the reason that we're so concerned with a mask is that the pandemic is a respiratory, it's communicated that way. It's communicated in the air, expressed from someone's breath and from their lungs. Is that the basic thrust of it? That's exactly right. Droplets and aerosols. Well, now let's talk about the big problem. I mean, we have so much non-compliance with with uh, mask wearing, and there's such a, a, a you know, there's a lot of people that say the CDC information has been conflicting. Uh, why are we having such a big debate over this? Isn't the science squarely in favor of wearing a mask? The science is squarely in favor of wearing a mask. In places where people don't wear masks, there is more disease, and in places where they do, there is less disease. Although, thankfully, now for a big part of our population, we can also use vaccinations, which are clearly the most effective thing you can do to prevent infection. There are significant portions of our population that either don't choose to get vaccines or more particularly, for children under the age of 12, there is no vaccine that is approved for children in that age group. And so that by far, the most effective things that we can do to protect our children from getting infected and to prevent them from helping others is by having them wear masks, because that is the primary most effective thing that works. Other things that work are social distancing, and that can be a challenge uh, with children. So the issue with the mask is just 
absolutely critical. And where they're not wearing it, we have more disease, as we see in the part of the country in which I live. I'm a father of three, and I recall as they would go back to school in the fall almost every year in elementary school, they would bring home some version of flu or crud from school that I would get because they transmitted it to me. Uh, That's exactly right. I have friends and acquaintances, many of whom are immunocompromised or are otherwise really at risk of getting COVID. And they are really, some of them are really up in arms that we don't have the vaccine yet, but they are very well aware that, that they can protect themselves by wearing masks, by getting vaccines. And their major source of concern is that they'll get it from their kids who will bring it home from school. You know, it seems like almost universally science agrees or you scientists all agree that we should be wearing masks. But unfortunately, we've we've thrown politics into this mix. There are some states that require masks. Others ban mandates. We have Florida Governor DeSantis withholding the salaries of school board members uh, who have upheld the mask mandates to protect the children going back to schools. What role should politics be playing this in an ideal world, and how do we deal with it in this practical world? Well, I think we need to say very clearly that what we ought to be doing is wearing masks. Uh, This is a dreadful, dreadful pandemic, and what we desperately need to do is get it under control sooner rather than later, because otherwise we may develop more serious and even more virulent variants that will cause even more disease. We need to remind our leaders, both at the state and local level, that they have an obligation to protect the public. And they have an obligation to uh, make sure that children are safe. It is important that we get kids back in school. It's clear that this last year has been costly in their learning, but we have to be able to do that safely. And that requires leadership that says that this is what we ought to do. We need to have a clear statement from parents who say, I am free to raise my kids and to make these kinds of health decisions, to understand that parental freedom is not unlimited. They do not have the right to put their children in harm's way. We have had laws to prevent child abuse and neglect for decades, for decades. And as this pandemic continues, we may soon get to the threshold where it is actually actionable neglect that warrants state intervention not to require your children to wear masks. And it is certainly not the right of children uh, or the right of parents to not only put their own children in harm's way, but other people's children in harm's way and other people's children's family in harm's way. In the Supreme Court, in a very famous case called Prince versus Massachusetts, the Supreme Court said that uh, parents are not free to make martyrs of their children. And they went on to say, in that case that involved religious freedom, to say that parents are not free in the name of religion to pose harm to their children, or um, in the case of communicable disease, or to permit their own religious beliefs to pose harm, the risk of communicable disease to others. This is really important. We need to stop talking about parents who say, I am free to make decisions about what my children do when their decisions put their children in harm's way 
and they put everybody else's children in harm's way, that's not the right issue. The issue that we really need to be talking about is responsibility. We need to talk about the actions that we need to take to protect our children, to protect other people's children, to protect our entire population, to bring this under control. And we need to realize that we, are in, we really are in this together and we are responsible for others. It is certainly, when I go out, I'm fully immunized, you'll not be surprised to know. And when I go out, I wear a mask in part to protect me, but mostly is to protect other people, both literally in case I have an asymptomatic case, but also to sort of make the point that what a responsible person is doing in today's, it ought to be doing in today's society is masking and taking this seriously and getting immunized. I mean, that's really where we are. Where, in your opinion, does the uh, refusal to allow your child to wear a mask fall on the spectrum from uh, civil neglect to cr criminal abuse? Well, fortunately, we don't have to get all the way to criminal abuse. Actually, neglect that puts a child, if you looked at, at the laws that exist in every state, they say when parental actions put their a child at risk of serious harm, then that's actionable neglect that it can warrant state intervention. We are coming perilously close to that. If you were able to say something directly to Governor Abbott of Texas and Governor DeSantis in Florida regarding mask usage, what would you say? What I would say is the data are clear and that you need to tell your the people in your state that they need to do this because they are responsible for all people. They are responsible for protecting their own children and protecting everyone else as well. And to have a, a ban on masks is irresponsible. And they are not meeting their obligations as leaders who have an obligation to protect the safety of their citizenry. They are abdicating that responsibility. And they need to face up to it. And they need to say, people, you have to be responsible. How would we go about taking this political aspect of what DeSantis and Abbott are doing? How do we get this out of the equation so that we can just focus on the science? Oh boy, I think it's going to be hard to get it out of the equation. I think that the uh, new actions that are being considered by the Department of Justice Civil Rights Movement is actually going to be an interesting step. As, you, uh, as I know you know, the Department of Justice is looking into states like Texas, Florida, Tennessee, and a number of others that are allowing or getting in the way of mass mandates and saying that they are failing to protect the interests of children with disabilities, both under the Americans with Disabilities Act and the Individuals with Disabilities Education Act. And I think that what they... And what they are saying there is that these kids have a right to go to school and to have a free, appropriate uh, public education and that they have to be uh, kept safe and that by getting in the way of mass mandates, you are putting these children in harm's way, in particular in harm's way. I think that's really important. I'm a strong advocate of, of the rights of uh, individuals with disabilities. I think it is actually a great feature of our government that we have that commitment. 
And then I think actually a nice side benefit of that is that if the if it becomes the case that everyone has to wear masks and that people are encouraged once the vaccines become available for younger children to get those as well, that the nice side benefit of that is that those are lawsuits that will lift all boats, that will protect all children and not just children with disabilities. But I think we need to change our discourse in our country and say, we have to care about other people. And that, and you can look to teachings of virtually every different religious tradition that says that we are to love our neighbors, that we are to care for our neighbors, and that that is what we ought to do. And that the idea that we're free to do whatever we want without regard to the interests of others is just selfish. Well, the one thing as a lawyer that has bothered me in this entire discussion that there has not been anyone speaking on behalf of the children. Seems like that's going to be what the civil rights case is about. That will certainly be what that's about. And actually there are, and I think that one of the reasons they're seeing a lot of the cases being brought both by the Justice Department and by parents of children with disabilities is that they have, they have a ready lever to move the world. That I think parents in general, many parents really, really want masks. And many parents really, really want vaccinations for their kids. Um, And in fact, one of the things that we're dealing with in the pediatric community is that many parents are going to the pediatrician and saying, please just give me a mini dose of Pfizer for my children. And the FDA, I think very rightly, is saying, we don't know what the right dose is. Please don't do that. And so I think that what we need to do is to get the parents who want their kids to be protected you know, out there voicing their opinions. They are doing that, but their voices are being shouted down in some of these um, some of these forums by the parents who say, you know, you're interfering with my rights as a parent. And the problem with those folks is that they misconceive what their rights are. They have many rights with regard to raising their children, but they do not have a right to allow their own children to be sick, and they do not have a right to make other children sick. That is not a right that parents have. Help me understand here what the argument is. I mean, I've seen the no shoes, no shirt, no service signs in a restaurant, not a far stretch to add a mask to that. You wear seatbelts in a car. Your kids are in in safety seats. There's all types of restrictions. What is the argument against the mask? Uh, they think that it will that it will bother their children, and the fact is, it will bother their children only because it bothers them. You know, if they there are a few medical contraindications to mask, they are breathtakingly few. But for other children, if they see their friends doing it, and if their parents tell them that this is the right thing to do, and if their teachers tell them the right thing to do, then they'll do it. And many of them do. So it is a failure of leadership. Our governor here in Tennessee said state school boards can decide what they want to do about masks, but that parents are free for whatever reason to refuse to let their children wear masks. That is a failure of leadership. Let's talk about medical exemptions. There are a lot of people who claim that they have asthma, they can't breathe, or this mask provides difficulty for them. What's the reality here? I think for severe asthma, that might be the case. 
but lots and lots of children have asthma and not, and uh, very few of them would have that kind of trouble. So again, I think this is an area where parents are bringing a lot of pressure on pediatricians to say that they that the child shouldn't be wearing a mask. And as you often see with regard to a variety of exemptions to immunizations, and I think pediatricians are taking it very seriously and saying, no, we have to really see that there's some real reason why your child can't wear a mask and that those those exceptions are few and far between. There are a lot of people that think that there's a lot of craziness in Florida. Here's an example of a chiropractor who is issuing medical exemption forms. What kind of qualifications does that chiropractor have to do that? None. But again, I think our licensure agencies need to need to take that seriously, uh, need to call those uh, the clinicians into account and say, you have to stop doing this um, and withdraw their licenses. But that's what they need to do. I mean, we've seen this in numerous other areas as well. And so I want to make another point going back to schools. Schools also have a really important job to play in keeping kids safe. And I think you've had, you have three kids, I have two. When our kids got sick, the school said, don't come. And they said, don't come for a couple of reasons. One is because you want the kid to get better faster. And we know that, you know, chicken soup and and sleeping and all that sort of, and, and tender loving care will get them better faster in general. But the other thing is, was to keep other kids from getting sick. And so this is not new news to say that children who are sick shouldn't be going to school. As a young man, I remember, or a young child rather, I remember doctors who made house calls and then might put up a quarantine sign on your door. I mean, you're absolutely right about that. And sometimes when there's something really very highly contagious and very um, lethal, like meningococcus, um, if we make a diagnosis of, of that in a child in school, the whole public health system mobilizes to make sure that all the children who were potentially exposed get prophylactic antibiotics so that they don't get this terrible disease. This is what public health is supposed to be. It is supposed to be identifying a threat, particularly a very serious threat like COVID, and taking appropriate action to bring it under control. And to say that it is an infringement on a child's right or a parent's right to say that in order to go to school that a child has to wear a mask to avoid getting sick themselves and avoid making other children sick is really just, it really undermines, I think, the very fabric of what our public health and our governmental responsibilities are in protecting the health of the nation. I'd like to ask a kind of tough question here, and I'm not sure whether you whether it's an appropriate one, but can you describe for our listeners what it is like to go through COVID? You know, we see the the short stills on the news at night and pictures of people with all kinds of tubes sticking out of them, and we're told it's difficult to breathe, but what is it what's it like? Well, you know, it's variable. I mean, some people have relatively mild courses, but even a mild course of COVID means that you are just out for a week or two. It makes flu like a walk in the park. So that's even the ones that don't get into the hospital. The ones that do get into the hospital can be sick for days to weeks, and they can require 
meticulous medical care. They can require being on a ventilator, which means that they have to be uh, sedated or even paralyzed so they don't uh, fight the vent. And obviously, as you know, hundreds of thousands of people have died. I mean, so this is this is not a joke. In fact, there was an article, I think, in the Washington Post today saying we shouldn't talk about mild disease with COVID. There's disease that doesn't necessarily get you in the hospital, but it is a serious disease, and it really hits people very, very hard and can have long-lasting symptoms. In many cases, they're saying up to a third of patients who get it have some long-lasting symptoms that last a month or two, some of them obviously a lot longer in the case of long COVID. This is not something that people should think, oh, well, this is fine. I'll just get this. It's just a cold. It's not. Well, Professor Clayton, we've just about reached the end of our program, so I'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to share your final thoughts to wrap up. Well, my major thought is we need to take this seriously. We need to understand our obligation to protect people who cannot get immunized because they're too young and to protect all other people. We need to take seriously the need to wear masks in the situations where there's a lot of disease going around. And we need to understand that this is not an infringement on our freedom. This is what we need to do to protect ourselves, to protect our children, and to protect everybody else in this great country. We need to do this. And we need to listen to what the scientific evidence is. The nature of science is that it evolves over time. But we have we know a lot now about what it takes to prevent this disease or to try to contain it, and we desperately need to do it. Well, thank you very much. That's been a spirited message that I hope gets through to our listeners. Um, like you, I'm vaccinated and wear a mask as it's as when I'm appropriately inside something else like a building. But thank you very much for being on the show today. As we wrap up, I'd like to thank our guest, Professor Ellen Clayton, for joining us today. It's been a pleasure having you on the show. Thank you. Well, if you like what you heard today for our listeners, please rate us on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcasting app. You can also visit us at LegalTalkNetwork.com where you can sign up for our newsletter. I'm Craig Williams. Thanks for listening. Please join us next time for another great legal topic. When you want legal, think lawyer to lawyer. Thanks for listening to Lawyer to Lawyer, produced by the broadcast professionals at Legal Talk Network. Subscribe to the RSS feed on LegalTalkNetwork.com or in iTunes. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by, Legal Talk Network, its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, and subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer. The Lunch Hour Legal Marketing Podcast, your resource for the tips and tactical advice you need to grow your business. Plus, keep up with the news and commentary you crave to stay one step ahead. It's hosted by me, Guy Sakalakis. And me, Conrad Song. Every other week, we break down the issues holding back your marketing strategy and talk about the changes you need to be prepared for. Check out the Lunch Hour Legal Marketing Podcast wherever you get your podcasts or on YouTube.